Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is witch blood. Long ago and far away. Okay, so it was the early 1990s when we were much younger and newer to being witches. There was often a great debate about what made a person a witch. Some claimed you had to be initiated into some specific coven or another, so you couldn't self-initiate or practice alone in their opinion. Others swore they were descended from a long line of witches, so they had a family heritage and tradition that made them real witches, and all the rest of us some type of wannabes. The debate dies down and reappears periodically in the witchcraft pagan community, and we have learned to ignore it. We believe you are a witch if you say you are one. It doesn't depend on someone else making you so through some type of ceremony in front of a group. If you check out the actual community of witches, the majority actually practice as solitaries either by choice or because they don't have access to a coven or group. Somewhere along the way, we came across the idea of witch blood and how it needs to be awakened to release your potential to become an effective witch. The idea was intriguing and as a concept appealed to us because it made us feel like our potential as capable witches could be expanded awakened, grown into something more effective, and increase our abilities to work magic, craft ritual, and grow our personal spirituality. Think about how you might feel if you develop an awareness that you have witch blood coursing through your veins as you walk and interact with the world around you. You are a witch just because you say you are, but would you be more likely to be aware of synchronicities that show up on a regular basis in your life? Would you be more aware of the magic that is truly all around you? Would you appreciate the world around you a bit more? Whether it is an urban one full of bustle and energy or suburbia with beautiful lawns or a rural area where peace and calm or the order of the day doesn't matter. It is the awareness of the world around you that does. Would you just feel more like yourself, the person you truly are? I like to think that we all have witch blood buried in our personal DNA. It is not inconceivable that somewhere in our own dim and distant past, we all must have had some ancestor or in some place who was a practitioner of the craft. Genetically, this would have been passed down, so that makes all of us hereditary witches of some sort. It sure puts an end to that stupid argument that if your family doesn't have a traditional heritage of some sort of special practices, you cannot be a true witch. Also, have you heard about the theory of junk DNA? Some scientists use this term to describe the majority of our DNA, which is not actually used in coding. Coding is the part of DNA that creates us and allows for cell replication. I like to think that in the junk DNA is where the coding for witch blood is hanging out, just waiting to be activated and used by us magical individuals. Consider it as a change in perspective to create possibilities similar to an old-fashioned religious conversion where someone was struck by the hand of some sort of God and completely changed the path of their life. The concept of you being full of witch blood may be the spark that lights one small candle of inspiration for you. 
Awakening the witch blood within is usually much more of a gradual process by using the experiences of ritual and magic to steadily increase your spiritual awareness. As you become more and more awake, magical awareness may increase, synchronicities may be more appreciated, and you may even more easily recognize the next step on your path. If you choose to work with the concept of witch blood as something real and valuable to your practice or not, it's completely up to you. How you experience such an awakening or what you do to encourage it if you choose is personal, as is any experience along the spiritual path. For us on the path, witch blood and its awakening have become part of our practice foundation. Good evening, Dave. Hi, Elizabeth. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Tonight we're talking about a slightly less serious topic after the last few episodes because we've moved on to more general practice foundational ideas, I think, rather than some of the more serious stuff like the dark nights of the soul and all that. And it sounds serious, but we're going to talk about witch blood. I do want to just stick a quick note in here just because of where we are on our personal calendar. Um, for, for those folks that have been regular list, listeners since the beginning or whatnot, this week we celebrated what would have been Susie's birthday. So mm-hmm. Susie in heaven or in whatever former dimension that you're in, know that we are all sending love and uh, feeling the love that you're sending us. I agree completely. So, um, and Susie helped me understand what I was thinking was something completely different as witch blood. In other words, I, I was feeling some stuff that I didn't know how to define about the same time that you and she were defining witch blood. Mm-hmm. So it gave me that opportunity to sort of learn a new context. So this should be a fun discussion. I think so. I mean, the whole idea of long ago and far away, which is kind of a lighthearted way to start this whole entry. You know, when we first came into the practice of witchcraft all those many years ago, starting with Wicca or whatever you want to call it. Um, there was this major debate that you had to be initiated to be a real witch, or you had to have some sort of family tradition that made you a hereditary witch. And if you didn't have those things, you couldn't be a real witch. And that's actually, I found that's, still true to some folks even today. There are people who kind of hold to sort of that rigid Gardnerian, well, what tradition were you initiated into sort of thing, which, you know, I, I understand that there are people who need and, and, and yearn for that kind of structure and consistency and regularity. Um, it's just never really been my kind of thing. I don't necessarily need the well, that's this why we call it a path. It's something that we're learning each step. It's it's not a graduation thing. No, it isn't. And like you said, it it it, it can, tends to flare up periodically. Yep. The whole debate it never really goes away. It's it's a cycle. You know, it goes around, comes around again. It is a pendulum. You're right. Yep. Oh yeah, it sure is. But we kind of went with the idea after much discussion and laughter and debate, that you're a witch if you say you are. Period. End of discussion. You know. Um, What I wrote down in my notes is, you are what you declare yourself to be, and we have that right as human beings. Yes, we do. 
Absolutely. If I want to declare that I am a meat popsicle, which is simply a reference from one of our favorite movies, but (laughs) so be it. That's that's what I am, and that's what the world will know me to be. Exactly. And on the path, we get to pick and choose what that means. And yes, it can be subject to revision on any given Tuesday or any other day you want to pick. Any morning we wake up, we have the opportunity to redefine our spirit. Absolutely. Exactly. But if you read what we wrote, the idea is which blood could be lurking inside you and you can awaken it. And which blood is a concept is kind of you bring your whole being into it. Your blood circulates through your whole body. Right. And the more you practice, the more you awaken that awareness. Sure. The more you activate those particular pieces of DNA or genetic material from however far back, every time we practice them, we will grow more of them, certainly. Mm -hmm. And we connect with each other and the universe and our internal spark of the divine and all those pieces. And when we initially wrote this, junk DNA was much talked about. And no, I know it's not called junk DNA anymore because we tend to think of it in terms of we haven't figured out what the hell it does. Yeah, (laughs) we don't know what it does. (laughs) It's there. So why couldn't that matter? Yeah, why couldn't that be our witch blood? Sure, sure. We don't know what's hidden in the parts of the the genome that we have not fully uncovered. Um, And something. Something I just wanted to mention, too, is most of the discussion that we are going to have revolves around tradition such that most of what we're going to be talking about is in the context of our physical or our real blood and our real genetic ancestry and whatnot. But I just want to remind that when we talked about old gods and ancestors, oh, God, quite a few weeks ago. But when we talked about that, I brought up the point that I believe that I have not only a genetic ancestry through my mother and grandmother and whatnot, but I also feel that I have a spiritual ancestry that is probably more tied to my cellular memory. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I picked up genetically, but for decades I have had this sort of old shaman figure in my head that I I firmly believe is a part of my DNA or my code somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of wanted to reckon the fact that when we talk about witch blood, yes, it implies the physical, but also it certainly covers our spiritual ancestry and the life force or blood of the spirit of those that practice before us along these same lines. Exactly. And I think that's the point we were trying to make is if you take it back far enough, there has to be somebody somewhere in that genetic pool that has come down to you that was practicing something that we would certainly consider witchcraft. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just like so many people are surprised at the the different um, haploid groups and whatnot that we carry from completely different places in the world than we thought that we were from. Yeah, the information exactly. is in there. Absolutely. The information is in there. And why can't we create a spiritual path that we feel awakens that somehow? Well, and like we were saying, every every time we spot one of those particular characteristics and then we practice on it or we observe it or acknowledge it or celebrate it or whatever word that you want to use there, certainly just 
virtual or virtually by the power of creation or the law of attraction or whatever you want to call it, when you exercise those cells, you're going to get more of those cells. And when you exercise more and more regularly, you are going to maintain higher levels of those. And so those of us that try to find you know, we're, we're, we're humans and we have a mundane life, so we aren't able to do something every single minute of every single day. But those of us that have got in the habit of at least every day or so connecting with something spiritual and have done that for some time have a pretty good, strong concentration of that witchy stuff in our systems, whether you want to look at it as, you know, physical blood or spiritual. Exactly. I like that. You know, the idea of doing that little thing every day, yep. it's, it's like exercise, you know, little, yep. little physical exercise. If you go out and weight lift every day and you start out with, you know, half a pound because you have no muscle strength built up, eventually you move on to larger weights and things get easier in some ways. Absolutely. But to keep that, you have to continue to challenge yourself. You have to use that muscle. And that, yeah. that, that brings me to a, something that I didn't get a chance to write down, but I love that we found our way to it in the conversation. Spirituality for every single human being in our culture is a muscle. And we have to recognize that those people that haven't spent regular, consistent time exercising that muscle, and I'm not saying this against them or that this is a bad thing, but um, Joe, the plumber down the street who has not regularly practiced his spirituality muscle, of course, is going to have a somewhat atrophied or shrunken or diminished spirituality muscle as mm -hmm. opposed to people, regardless of what your faith is, if you're practicing some faith every day, then that muscle is vibrant and alive. And I think that muscle, since we're using that metaphor, is also where as witches we draw most of our power for creation and manifestation. I would agree with that completely. When I haven't manifested for a year or two, it's really hard for me to manifest. When I do little small ones every day or two and then recognize that they're working, yeah, manifesting is a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. And the nice part about that is if you think in terms of adding daily practices of some sort to your life, it's like an exercise routine. They don't want you to do cardio all the time or they don't want you to do bodybuilding or weightlifting all the time, weight training. They want you to mix it up. So one way to awaken that witch blood or continue to maintain the awakening process, for want of a better word, is to mix it up a little bit. Sure. Things. Don't get stuck in a routine because we get bored easily as humans and we're less likely to continue to do it. Right. Right. Absolutely. We... Uh, as seekers, which we just spoke about not too long ago, as seekers, we need to continually refresh our thirst or hunger or we won't continue to learn. Exactly. That's one of the things that I, I just as a side note, that's one of the things that I adore about being able to do this, this podcast with you and carry on Susie's work and whatnot is because if I don't get a chance, which I generally do, 
But if I don't get a chance out anywhere else in my life during the course of a week where I can have a thoughtful enough conversation that I walk away from it a slightly different human being, I mm-hmm. miss that. Oh, um, it was okay. Let's be honest. I miss Susie because she was one of the best conversationalists that I ever, you know, shared space with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just this time going through things and having discussions with you is like becoming part of my practice enough where when we're not able to do it, I do miss it. Me too. And I think when it, it allows me to stretch my own understanding again, too. Sure, I mean, sure. Once it, and, and sometimes having to explain to you where we got to how we are here. Right. <laughs> well, you you need to know the material so much more deeply to teach it than you do to just understand it. Yes. Um, and that's why coming from more of my solitary background or whatnot, I feel like the questions that I ask are probably common ones that other people would want to hear answered. Well, I hope so. And and I am not setting myself up as some kind of guru with the, the all end all answers. I no, you've simply that. been walking your path in this format for a more consistent amount of time than I have been walking this for my version of this path. Yep. Exactly. And and I like the fact that you say it's your version and my version. Yeah, yeah. the path is a is a guideline. It's not God, it's not wrote. The last thing in the world we want is a hopscotch board. Uh-uh. No, exactly. And, and, uh, and, spread your feet out and feel the grass. Exactly. And we call it a tradition because we've done it for a while. That's what makes a tradition. It's something you do regularly and want to share with others in some way. Right. You know, it's like if you serve the same sort of meal every year at Thanksgiving, it is a family tradition that your family. It's by Friday. Sure. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Or or, Tuesdays nowadays. Yeah. Or Taco Tuesday even or Fish Fry Friday. Lots of restaurants feature fish fries on Friday kind of thing. And it's a tradition and people respect the tradition. They may not want to share it, but at least you get enough respect that they may hear a little something you have to say. We would hope so anyway. We would hope so anyway. Yes, I would agree with that. So it's fun. How do I, if this is like my first or second or third episode and I'm just completely overwhelmed. What can I do tonight? Let's 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 provide a couple of ideas. What can I do tonight if I'm a brand new listener and I want to try to sit for a few minutes and do some of this practice that will help me get in touch with or discover my potential witch blood in me? What what kind of things can we do to find that witch blood and get connected to it? Okay. Find some peace and quiet, first of all. And listen to that little inner voice that people sometimes call conscious or whatever and know that's your divine spark. Go outside and see where the moon is. You know, five minutes, go out, find it in the sky. If it's cloudy, you know it's still there. Yep. You know, figure out what phase it is and and just relish that particular energy. If you have one handy, light a candle. I'm uh, As part of ritual, do we use candles? Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> I'm a big one for uh, meditation. Mm-hmm. And also myself, I am huge on scent. 
um, scent has always been a, a powerful factor for memory in a lot of people's lives, mine included. And so one of the first things that I learned to do when I was starting to try to understand some of this stuff, and this was, I'm going to say, six to eight years before I met Susie, mm -hmm. uh, but I would simply sit in the little apartment that I had and light an incense and a candle and just do that every single day at nearly the same time. Mm -hmm. And what it built for me is now when I light an incense, I sort of have a brief memory of those meditations and those moments. And so I refresh those lessons that I learned that day every time I learn a new lesson. Mm -hmm. It's like building blocks or Legos. Yep, you, absolutely. Or doing, I remember when we did like the connect the dots when we were kids and it made a picture? Right. You can think of the process of awakening as kind of connecting your own dots. You need to figure out what satisfies you in terms of your practice in order to continue the process of awakening, even if you're brand new. How about saying, I'm a witch? There's a good, great sure. Sure. That would pretty much get a lot of people going. Go dance in a drum circle. Anything. Yep. And everything that you choose that enhances you in some way spiritually. And it does not have to be complicated. Like we're, we're talking about some things, light incense, light a candle. How about drink a glass of water? I mean, when you think about it, we don't get hydrated. Sure. And, it, and our thinking gets screwy and we lose our energy. Well, well, and we don't talk to our water and pay attention. We're not, we don't, we don't mindfully drink. We drink while we're busy or whatever. And we don't take time to, to feel the quenching of the thirst and the throat isn't dry anymore. So that's a, that's also a great mindfulness thing. And you're instantly connecting to two elements there because the glass is earth and the water is water. There you go. And if you pour it down the wrong pipe, you don't get air. Exactly. And you get energy back, which is spirit, which is fire in a way. Like I said, I mean, when I find it, I, I find that I'm cranky and tired. Very often, all I need to do is drink a few glass of water. That's funny for me. I put my face in the wind. It's the same idea. There's something else you could do. Yeah, absolutely. Go outside and see what the weather's doing. Yep, or stick your head out the window. <laughs> there is nothing like gaining in the mental clarity that you get when you can go stand somewhere in a good breeze for a minute or two and just face the wind and let it blow through you. Well, and I remember having those moments of, holy crap, this feels awesome. And then realizing that I could do this again and again and again and again. Mm -hmm. And that was first really kind of, I, I sort of picked up the shamanism about the same time that I was also okay. learning to meditate. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense, though. Sure. You have, you have to figure out what works for you and what makes you happy. The, the core witch blood in me seemed to need to follow that particular pattern to get to where I am today. And now that I'm aware of the growth of this witch blood, I can consciously choose where, what directions I want it to grow in. Exactly. And don't be surprised if, if you suddenly turn left when you thought you were going right. Left turn, Clyde. Yep, I get that. You know what I'm saying? Because sure. we we often have to catch up with ourselves, I guess is a good way to describe it. 
Sure. You know, sure. I, or sometimes I, we've learned things that we don't realize yet that we've learned. Yes. Or sometimes we need to go back and unlearn. Well, there again, I I tend to use that witch blood metaphor and reach back to my mm-hmm. both genetic and spiritual answer, ancestors and say, okay, we've been doing this for thousands of years. What am I not getting about how to do this? <laughs> sometimes and, you the answers. Right, right, absolutely. Sometimes they're like, okay, you're an adult, figure it out. Yeah, you pulled that on me here a few weeks ago. I remember in a text. Yeah, that happened. Lived through it. <laughs> it, was, it was the best advice you possibly could have given that day. But anyway, well, witch blood. Just, yeah. Back are, there, are, there, are there different types of witch blood? They have like RH, RH factors? I don't think so. I mean, there could. Be, there could be some component where what we're calling witch blood is actually just that junk DNA category of spirituality gene in our blood. And so maybe there's a maybe there's a naturally predisposed to be Christian witch blood version and a naturally disposed to be Hindu. You know, who knows what's in that? area of the DNA that we don't understand yet. Exactly. And and just because we call it witch blood, you could probably also call it spirit blood or spirituality. Absolutely. Blood. Absolutely. You have Absolutely. To out what floats your boat. There's how many yep. billion people on this planet? We can't all think alike. Or well, and thing. at the end of the day, that's a vocabulary thing. I mean, if you want to call it rainbow juice, great. Call it whatever it is that works for you. Mm-hmm. But the idea is, is, I think a big part of the path and the whole idea of witch blood is all about encouraging your personal spiritual development at its most basic. And recognizing that it is part of a progression. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's it. And just the whole idea that you can become a fill-in-the-blank witch, better, stronger, more powerful, more connected to the world around you, more compassionate, more whatever you want to be. Well, I'm just, because I'm looking back over my notes here, and, and I'm going to use myself as an example just for a moment, but you and I both know I was an entirely a different human being 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and the experience of of being with Susie and then having her get ill and uh, that whole ordeal has changed me so much that I could say that it is has awakened parts of my witch blood because now I am this, I'm this sage figure for a bunch of people and I'm so much more compassionate and I'm more involved with helping different neighborhood groups and things like that. I really have literally used the words awaken some form of something in me that we're discussing tonight as being witch blood. And so, yes, um, you could even, uh, some people would describe it as suddenly I've become filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing, use whatever words that you like, but I can sit here today and, and swear to you that, yes, as a result of this path that I've had to follow, I've awakened a lot of things in me, and most of them were due to Susie's help. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but you had to do the work too. Sure. You know, sure. they gave you Susie. It's, it's like the adage of teaching. You know, we can feed somebody a fish, and yep. but you can teach them to fish, and they will not go hungry. Right. You know, she gave you the tools, and occasionally beat you over the head with that cosmic two by four. But I still had to go hungry a few times until I started to figure things out. Sure. Yeah, but that's part of the learning process too. Well, the reason that I had mentioned that is um, just to kind of tie that thought up. The fact of the matter is that means genetically or otherwise, Susie's spirit has become part of my witch blood mm-hmm. and is, is and is part of your witch blood. And oh, yeah, for yeah. those for those people that, that listen and follow the path, by all means, have some of this, have some of this love because... She's one of the reasons that this podcast started. So if you're listening to it, you are receiving some of that witch blood. I think so. And that's the best way to describe it. There's an endless supply. Absolutely. The more we give, the more we have. Yeah. And that, and that's one of the best parts about being a witch, I think. I agree with you completely. You know, because when we're growing... We're enhancing the world around us. Well, I'm certainly trying lately anyway. <laughs> Me too, most of the time, even if I'm buried in kitchens. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. All right, well. I think that's, a, you know, before we go down another rabbit hole, and I yeah, start thinking about. Pretty good spot. And I think we've done a really good job of sort of explaining both the biological and the metaphorical aspects of what we mean when we talk about witch blood. Um, and just quickly, I want to mention just as a tie-in for folks that listen, that Witch Blood is one of the um, Witchstone's Oracle deck cards. So if you want to take a look at the website or in the Witchstone's Oracle Companion, you can learn more about what the Witch Blood card itself represents in different kinds of readings. I like that thought. You know, it's one of our basic concepts, so it had to be a card. Sure, absolutely. Exactly. So it, until then, um, may you all be safe, be well, and be loved. And as I would say, may you find mercy and reverence in all things at the exact same time. <laughs> Witch stones are a divination tool we created as part of our practice that deals with what we call concrete stones, specific types and kinds of energy, and conceptual stones, things and ideas about witchcraft, which can be read with either a seen or an unseen meaning. Recently, we have developed a set of oracle cards using this information. We would like to introduce you to one of these stones right now. Today's witch stone spotlight topic is something new in that we're moving on now from talking about the individual and groups of cards to the range of layouts and spreads that we can use to read or divine with our Witchstones Oracle Cards deck. As a super high-level review or refresher, our deck is made up of 32 cards. 16 have a solid colored border representing concrete aspects. These are broken into four groups of four around specific observable natural aspects, the elements, directions, moons, and sabbats. The other 16 have a two-toned colored border representing concepts or ideas. 
These are broken into two groups of eight around particular concepts, eight mental and eight physical. Inversions, for those that are familiar with other divination decks, are implemented by recognizing seen aspects when a card lays face up and unseen aspects when a card falls face down in the reading. This is why we either randomly turn some cards over during our shuffle or even invert one hand, one of the fans to be shuffled together. Our book, The Witchstone's Oracle Companion, reviews many more details about how to prepare yourself, your space, and your cards for reading, and describes several different methods to help practice with and learn the cards themselves. Look for a link to purchase the book on Amazon by visiting our website at twoyoungcrones.com slash library. I'm going to start this week with some one-card layouts. One-card layouts are the most basic and most easy to accomplish. You shuffle the deck, you ask your question, you pull a card, and then interpret its meaning based on what it was that you asked. Here are three suggestions, potential things that you could ask, or potential things that you could do with a one-card layout. First idea is called energy of the day or energy of the moment. Draw one card to determine what energy is currently at work around you. I personally have developed a habit of drawing a single card from my deck each morning to gauge or understand the energies I can expect to be working with and around for the day. Another one-card layout is the energy of a situation. Draw one card to determine what energy is currently affecting a situation you're involved with at present, or energy of the upcoming week or month. Draw one card to determine what energies might be influencing the upcoming period of time. Or a yes or no question. Draw one card about the answer to a yes or no question. If the card displays seen energy, the answer is yes. If the card displays unseen energy, the answer is no. Now try thinking of some other simple questions that you could ask or use a one-card layout for. Try them out for yourself. These are just ideas. This is your deck. Now a little bit about some three-card layouts. Three-card readings are slightly more complicated because they involve interpreting not only the energy of each card, but how they may also influence or interact with each other. We lay the cards out from left to right, generally, and read them in the order that we draw them but that is simply our personal preference. You may develop your own convention to this. Figure out for yourself how you want to lay the cards out for reading them. However, we do suggest that you read them in the order which you draw them. Here are three suggestions of things that you could potentially ask for a three card. What are the odds? Draw three cards determined to the answer to a question is yes, no, not now, probably not, or maybe, if something doesn't delay it, or turn it into a no. All three cards with seen energy is a definite yes. All three cards with unseen energy is a definite no or not now. Two cards with unseen and one card with seen is a probably not. Two cards with seen and one with unseen is a maybe. And you can develop your own split on how these work for something like what are the odds or what are the chances. 
Another example of a three card is energy of the upcoming week or month, just like we did with a one card. But you can draw three to see what energy or energies may be influencing this upcoming week or month and see how twos and threes might even relate to each other to strengthen or provide more energy. You can do a body-mind-spirit reading. Draw three cards, reading from left to right to see how your body, your mind, and your spirit may be by affected by the current situation, either in the present or in the near future. A past, present, future, and this is one of my personal favorites, is draw three cards, reading from left to right, to see what energies may have influenced your recent past to get to your present and what may influence the future of a situation or the result of a life choice. Again, this is one of my favorites because it really helps us see the moment we are in by looking at where we have come from and what we are looking ahead to. So try thinking of some other questions or some other ways that you could use a three-card layout for your, and try them out for yourself. Again, this is your deck. These are just ideas. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better, because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is called a quiet space in the dark of the moon. Summer is happening here in our little corner of North America. And for as much as the dark and dreary and gray days of winter are a time for introspection, contemplation, and healing, the summer is busy, active, and full of energies external just swirling around us. The old adage, make hay while the sun shines, has been a reality of modern humans for centuries. It is the time where we get busy planting, growing, gathering, hunting, preserving, and preparing for the next winter or the next round on our yearly cycle. This is the time of year to go, 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 and do, do, do. For those of us following along on our own individual versions of the path, though, we continually stress for balance in all things. And acknowledging both projective and receptive energies is important to us, no matter what time of the year the sky happens to be showing us. With that in mind, and in honor of the new moon that by the time this airs may have just passed, I wanted to share with you a perspective that came up in an earlier podcast discussion between Elizabeth and I. This is the idea of how I personally described the why behind why is the dark moon a time of introspection, reflection, and peaceful contemplation even during the busiest seasons of the year. The sun, our ultimate projective force, is constantly pouring out warmth and light and energy in all directions. It is the source of all of the energies that allow us to live here on Earth. It's bright, it's overwhelming sometimes, and from an energetic perspective, it is noisy. It blasts away every day with a real, tangible, palpable energy pouring past us. 
the whole reason that we are even able to see the moon is because the sun shines so brightly on it that a lot of the light bounces back at us. Brightest, of course, on the full moon. Think of this energy now, this sun energy pouring constantly out of it from the point of view of here on Earth. And think of this energy as a river that constantly flows past the Earth. On the dark moon, we don't see the moon because it is in the shadow of the Earth, much like the calm water in the lee of a great big stone in a river. At nighttime, we are behind the Earth, so to speak, from the sun. And at this moment, as is the moon, and so we are out of that constant river flow of lasting energy in life. We sit during a dark moon in that perfectly calm space behind this great stone where the water is calm, the current is still, and we, for just this brief time, are able to listen to what is within our souls without having to deal with the noise of this river of the sun's powerful energy. We are in these times in the lee of the earth at night during a dark moon. And in this lee, I imagine myself sitting with my back to this great rock, looking downstream at the shadowed moon, feeling all of the rush of that universal energy going right on by while I sit quietly and breathe. I can be busy when I need to be. I must remind myself that I can be still when I need to be. And it is this very stillness that I see when I look up at the dark moon. If you're enjoying this sort of content and want to join the discussion, please come stir up the pot with us on our Discord community. Go to Patreon and look for Young Crones Cafe, and you'll find the way. Or browse to twoyoungcrones.com for more about us. For now, be safe, be kind, and be loved. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday. But you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two young crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedgewalkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.